Well, we're working our way through the book of Revelation. The final outpouring of the seven bowls of God's wrath. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. Each of the sevens runs right up to the end of the age. Seven seals and the seventh seal contains the seven trumpets. Seven trumpets and the seventh trumpet contains the seven bowls. Specifically, the bowls are the direct um, wrath of God in judgment that brings this age as we know it to a, to a final end. Now, I have a, a lot of scripture to read. Very rarely would we read as much scripture as I will tonight, only because uh, I want the comments to be set in context. And so I, I don't know how else to do that except to go through the text at the beginning, and then we'll work through some of the points, some of the thoughts I want to bring out of it. So get comfortable, but stay awake, because we're going to read pretty much two chapters of Scripture together. Okay? Sure, Pastor Don. 15.1. Then I saw another sign in heaven... Great and amazing. So John's still seeing these visions, trying to put them into words. Seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last. Okay, the last. For with them, the wrath of God is finished. So we're given a clue now that this is winding up to the end. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name. Standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sang the song of Moses. Interesting. The servant of God. And the song of the Lamb. Saying, quote, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this, I looked, and and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. That's a strange phrase. Out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure, bright linen with golden sashes around their chests. One of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. The sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. No one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. 16.1 Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, Go! Pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth. Remember, it's a vision. He's still seeing a vision. And harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. And the 
The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea and it became like the blood of a corpse and, and every living thing died that was in the sea. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water and they became blood. And I heard, and I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. You have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. So he sees more now in this vision. And I heard the altar. So now he sees an altar, but the altar is talking. I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire, and they were scorched by the fierce heat, and and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs. For they're demonic spirits. Okay, there's nothing in here, by the way. A lady... Well, there's a lady who's worried about frogs. Every time she saw a frog, she was sure there was something demonic because of this. This is a vision. This is not about frogs. They are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on that great day of God Almighty. 15. Behold, quote, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done. There were flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder and a great earthquake. We've seen this before in the book of Revelation at the close of the seals, at the close of the trumpets and now with the seven bulls. You see the end portrayed each time, the same end. Great earthquake such as there had never been Since man was on the earth, so great was the earthquake. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And God remembered Babylon. We talked briefly about that. We'll talk more about it in chapter 17. And God remembered Babylon, the great, to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away. So now he sees islands scampering away. No mountains were to be found. Great hailstones, about a hundred pounds each, fell from heaven on people. And they cursed God for the plague of the hail because the plague was so severe. Wow. So what we're coming into now is the beginning of the conclusion 
of the book of Revelation, the beginning of the conclusion. So chapter 15 is going to introduce us to the initiating of the final wrath of God being poured out in judgment on the beast, the false prophet, Babylon, those who align themselves against Christ and his church. I say it's the beginning because while the pouring out of the seven bowls of God's wrath is the end in terms of God's dealing with all earthly opposition, we have yet to see the the final state beast, the false prophet, those who reject Christ, cast into the lake of fire, Revelation 20. We're not there yet, but the beginning of the wrath of God poured out. Notice also, just as background, that, and that's why I read the two chapters, basically. All of the judgments described in 15 and 16 are very specifically directed. It's at this point in the book that we we kind of begin to appreciate the, the blessing of those earlier visions. Remember the, the marking, the separating, the sealing of the people of God, that 144,000, keeping them from God's wrath along with the wicked as God's wrath is poured out on the wicked. That was in, we saw that, let me just real quick, Revelation 9, 1 to 4, where the fifth angel blew his trumpets. So now we're at the blowing of the trumpets. And I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given a key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. But they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So we've already seen how there's this protection, this sealing, this protecting. Now that doesn't spare God's people from the persecution of Antichrist, the beast. It doesn't spare those Christians from the persecution of those who would strike out against God and his church, but it does mark, seal, protect them from This dreadful final outpouring of the wrath of God that we just read about in 15 and 16. So the passage I just read to you from Revelation 9. Where there are these, and it's a vision. There aren't going to be locusts exactly. He's not talking about locusts per se. John says it looked like this. They're locusts, but but they're also like scorpions. And only they don't go after plants like locusts do. These just go after the people who have been following the beast and the false prophet. So there's this protecting of the people in the beginning phase. But the pouring out of God's wrath in the seven bowls, it's different in intensity that's why during, if you remember, during the, the sounding of the trumpets, there were these, these judgmental acts, but you constantly had reference. I don't know if you remember to numbers like one-third, a third of the people this, a third of the people that, a third of the people received this. But once you get to chapter 15 and 16, God's wrath in its concluding manifestation is 
more all-encompassing. All who reject Christ, all who follow the beast and antichrist, those systems, the political system, the religious system, the, the Babylonian seduction into sin. So God's, God's judgment will be more widespread, without measure. So the pouring out of the seven bowls of God's wrath is actually, I said earlier, it's, it's the contents of that seventh trumpet. And these judgments will bring a speedy end to all that is opposed to Christ and his kingdom. It was anticipated. You had that little preview vision in chapter 14, 18 to 20. And you, you got this foretaste of the judgment that was going to come in those seven bowls. And in Revelation 14, 18 to 20, it says, Another angel came out from the altar, the angel who, is, who has authority over fire, called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle. Remember, we looked at this, we talked about it. Put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for the grapes are ripe. And so the angel swung his sickle across the earth, gathered the grape harvest of the earth, threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. See, that's a, a quick preview back in chapter 14, a snapshot in a paragraph of the seven bowls that I just read to you in 15 and 16. So you get that in the book of Revelation. It's not just a sequence from this event working through in logical order to the end. You get its vision. So you get pictures of the end way back at the beginning. You get things anticipated. You get things prophesied. You get things prefigured in the book. All right. Point number one. The wrath of God is pictured as both deliverance and victory for the righteous. I think that's important to remember. It's easy to read this and all you see is... is, uh, Gloom and doom, and there is that there. But when you look at those first four verses of chapter 15, where it says, And and then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels, so they're getting ready, seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And, And I saw, but before that happens, you see, I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. I want to be in that crowd. That's the crowd I want to be in. And so even before, there's the seven angels, the bulls of God's wrath. But before John sees anything else, what he sees are the redeemed. redeemed. They're separated. And they're giving praise to God for his greatness and for his glory. Something else here. It's very important to understand these verses because they tell us something about how John and how the early church, 
How did they see? How did they perceive this message of divine deliverance for the people of God and the coming judgment of God in the seven bowls that would be poured out? How did they comprehend this? And what you see when you look at 15 and 16 is they're all framed very similar to the exodus out of Egypt in the Old Testament. So John is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He sees these final plagues as a kind of fulfillment of the plagues that were poured out on Pharaoh in Egypt. You'll you'll see that more clearly as we work through the passage. The whole point of these chapters is just in exactly the same way that God both delivered Israel and punished Egypt. Okay? He will again avenge the ungodly aligned with the person, structure, empire of Antichrist. He will avenge those people and at the same time he will preserve and deliver his people. That's what he did in Egypt. That's what happened in the Exodus. We're meant to see the similarities. That's why the redeemed around the throne, they're pictured as singing not only the song of redemption, I hope you noticed that, but also they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, 15.3. The song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. They sang both songs because all through the book of Revelation, in fact, all through the whole New Testament, the church always sees itself as, Paul says, you and I, are the offspring of Abraham. There's not two people anymore. Ephesians. Paul is absolutely dogmatic. There's one now in Christ. So these visions, they they see the church, but they see the church as the fulfillment of all that God has been doing, planning to do in Christ ever since Abraham. And so they sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. Moses, because all of this imagery has to do with that exodus out of Egypt. And Jesus, who is our Passover. And the eternal deliverance that he brings into our hearts and lives. Is the fulfillment of all of that. They sing both songs. Because Moses, the song of Moses, that deliverance song, has become fulfilled in these Christian people in the last days It's been fulfilled in deeper and richer ways in the Song of the Lamb. They sing both. They're not contradictory. The Song of the Lamb is the fulfillment of the Song of Moses. Now, what are these singers around the throne of God seeing? What what is causing this burst of praise and rejoicing? John's going to pull back the curtain again. Point number two. You still okay? You with me? Something with a little more enthusiasm in it would be. All right. Point number two, the preparation of the final wrath of God. 15.5. After this, I looked in the sanctuary of the tent of witness. I want to talk about that. The tent of witness in heaven was opened. And, and out of the sanctuary came seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure, bright linen, with golden sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures 
gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls. You can't put God's wrath in a bowl, but this is, this is the imagery, okay? This is the picture that he gets. Seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. No one could even enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. And then, then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, Go, pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. Now, I think John's reference to the sanctuary of the tent of witness, verse 5, I think it's again a throwback in the same way they sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. This tent of witness is a throwback to the time of the Exodus, the dwelling of the place of God in that tabernacle, that tent in the wilderness. The single point of these verses is the fact that once God sets his hand to his final work, there will be no... This will not be halted. This will not be reversed. This will not be changed. See that in verse 8? No one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. There's, there's an inevitability of the might of God in his dealing with sin and rebellion. This, this is what the saints around the throne of God are witnessing, seeing. Remember the slain saints, the martyrs, way back in Revelation, praying, how long, God? How long before you avenge? And now they see it coming about. Point number three. The first six bowls poured out. Let me read a little bit more, okay? We're, we're uh, over halfway done. I don't know if it looks like it on your notes, but we are. And so here we go with these angels, the seven bowls. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, 6-2. You get these harmful, painful sores on the people who bore the mark of the beast and worship his image. Second angel, I'm, I'm editing as I read. Uh, into the sea, pours out this bowl. Becomes like the blood of a corpse. Every living thing dies. Third angel, verse 4, pours out his bowl into the rivers and springs of water. They became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, who brought these judgments, for they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets. Okay, verse 7. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Fourth angel, verse 8. This bull poured out on the sun. It scorches people with fire. And, and when they're scorched, these rebellious people who follow Antichrist, the beast, they curse the name of God. They curse. They did not repent. Do you see that at the end of verse 9? They didn't repent. You wonder, you wonder, would God have accepted their repentance? I mean, we'll never know. All we know is they, they reach a point where even as they experience God's judgment, all it does is make them angry at God. Never repentant. You don't, you don't, you don't ever want to let your heart get like that. Ten. Fifth angel poured out his bowl. All right on the throne of the beast and its kingdom. Plunged into darkness. Verse 11. The people cursed the God of heaven. They did not repent of their deeds. Twelve. Sixth angel pours out his bowl on the Euphrates. Its waters dry up. Now if you took the time to study it. Here's what I think you would see. You would see that many of these plagues. As 
as John sees this vision, he's trying to describe, you can imagine, eh? He's trying to describe what he sees, and it's just too big to describe. But you would see that many of these plagues are really very similar in nature to the plagues poured out on Pharaoh in Egypt. Some are almost exact duplicates, but on a wider scale. Also, we've seen some of the very same kinds of plagues revealed partially in the earlier stages of the the seals and the trumpets. But the big difference here is these plagues are now poured out without measure, without any kind of... uh, uh, they, They just bring wrath. The people don't repent. There's nothing partial about these plagues. There's nothing restrained anymore in their manifestation. And you you see how the ungodly receive them. 16.9, they didn't repent and give him glory. 16.11, they did not repent of their deeds. 16.31, they cursed God for the plague of the hail. So it's not that these people didn't recognize the hand of God. They did. They see it is God behind these events. They know the source of the plagues. They know the meaning. They know the intention they won't repent. Now, I want to ask you something. Do you see again the similarity, the deliberate similarity between this final judgment and the deliverance of God's people and the plagues that came on Egypt and the deliverance of God's people in the Exodus? Because look how Pharaoh responds. These curses come on Egypt. You remember from your Old Testament account in the book of Exodus... Exodus 8.15. Are these in your notes, these references? Okay, good. When Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, so God backs off, he hardened his heart. He would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. 8.32. But Pharaoh hardened his heart, this time also. He would not let the people go. 9.34. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again, hardened his hearts, he and his servants. 10.1. Then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh, for, now it's different, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them. Here's here's how self-destruction happens. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Then without warning, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. John sees in these visions, he he sees this, he must have been amazed as he sees these visions because he sees a kind of suicidal stubbornness that will find its ultimate expression in the last days. That people will, in the face of all the best evidence, they they will turn their minds against God. They will harden their hearts until God takes the process over, far beyond their own control and good sense, and they can't repent anymore. I say at the very end of the notes, Paul gives about the most detailed description of how this will work, and he's talking about the last days. Paul is not seeing a vision, but he's writing about the very same time frame that John is writing about. And the pouring out of God's wrath. And, and Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, it's all about Antichrist, the coming of Antichrist, the last days. 
And Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2.8, Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. So it's about the coming of Jesus. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. That's the dragon in John's vision. With all power, false signs and wonders... And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. And therefore, and this is exactly what you see, God sends. They refuse, they refuse, they refuse, they refuse. God sends on them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. And you see that repetition. You go back to you go back to they sang the song of Moses and the Lamb. You go back to that time. Moses, God using him to bring deliverance from Pharaoh in Egypt. And Pharaoh hardens his heart over and over again. The very same kind of plagues. And then when there's a break Pharaoh won't let the people go until God hardens his heart. Then you come to the teaching of Paul, talking about the man of sin, the lawless one, Satan, the last days. People refuse to love the truth, and then God sends a strong delusion on them. And then you have John as he sees these visions and all the final outpouring of the wrath of God. And the people see, they know it's God, they feel the pain of it, and they do not repent, and they curse God. It's that consistent pattern. All of which, all of which, in the middle of all this prophetic judgment and end time uh, impact, the lesson for today is uh, you walk in the light while you have the light, John says. You listen to the Holy Spirit while he speaks to your heart. You stay close to him day by day by day so that so that, unlike these wicked ones under judgment, the path of the just is a shining light that shines more and more unto that perfect day.